Hey, I'm Janice. I'm Shakara. And I'm Chantel. And this is the Hey Ma Podcast. We are so excited. We're actually coming to you all live from Google with the one and only Alicia Butterfield Jones. I feel like I have to consciously remind myself to put the Jones, the Jones. on did. there because you've been <laughs> Butterfield for so long. Um, this woman needs no introduction, but for those of you who are listening who don't know, um, Felicia is um, the head of Black Engagement and Women's Engagement Correct. at Google. Like she, she running things at Google, y'all. That's all you need to know. <laughs> we'll, we'll add in the official details later. Um, but on top of all that she does at Google, she actually manages to run a nonprofit and has two children to boot. When and a she, husband. And a husband. And a husband. And a, a baby that's what, how old now? Three and a half months. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I'm tired just talking about your life, so I don't even know how you're you're living it. Um, but she has been on our hit list for a long time for people that we've all been just dying to get in the studio with. Because when I tell you, Belisha Butterfield Jones is life goals, she is life goals. And on top of... Um, being life goals, I think we have this perception that like, you know, whatever we see in social media is is not real life and they're not really living it. But Valicia is, in, in my opinion, humble opinion, is um, the epitome of living what you see. So what you see on social media is actually her real life. Um, and just Thank been an amazing <laughs> mentor in person. Like I can go on and on and on and on. Um, about Miss Felicia, but we'll save that for a, another another time. Um, Felicia, thank you for making this happen in the midst of all the craziness in your life. <laughs> I mean, I don't think people realize how far back I go with the ladies of Hey Ma. Uh, we have 10 years plus history, and so when you guys call, I answer. So thank you for having me. Oh, Okay. We'll get the mushy stuff yeah. out the way <laughs> now. Let's get down to business. Um, I know a little bit about what you do, but can you just tell us, like, briefly, there may be some person in some corner of the earth that is not familiar with what you do um, at, at Google and with Wing. So can you kind of give us just a brief introduction? Yes. So I've spent, I'm, I'm dating myself, but I've spent the last two decades at the intersections of entertainment, politics, and now technology. And what that all means is that my career started out in the entertainment industry a long time ago with Wu-Tang Clan and uh, later with Russell Simmons. I transitioned to work for the Obama administration and Obama campaign, which was a great honor. And now I work in technology um, as the global head of women and black community engagement for uh, the, the company. And so um, my work every day is all about getting more Black people, more women, um, a seat at the table, especially when it comes to technology, business, and innovation. And so that's the quick and dirty of what I do each day. And then, of course, Ween is my baby. Uh, we just celebrate our 10th year anniversary, and uh, we just had a Ween meeting today, and it's all about the empowerment of women uh, worldwide. And what is Ween? Is this a Ween moment? The Women in Entertainment Empowerment Network. And so we started out... Ten years ago, it's an organization that was focused on the balanced portrayal of women in entertainment and society, but now we've grown, and we have programs for young women who want to work in the entertainment business each summer. We have a big Ween Academy program, uh, sorry, Ween Awards program each year where we honor celebrities who empower other women through their work and philanthropic efforts. But overall, we're, we're a, an organization of boss women who get it done. And so, you know, we support each other also in our own professional growth. 
Yes. So, um, I mean, I think we can just dive right in to the Q&A part of this. So, listening to all that you do, both professionally and then also with the nonprofit, um, I, I mean, we just want to know, like, how do you do balance. it all? Because, like, I literally... I'm sitting kind of like in the, in the sidelines and we, we all are mm-hmm. and we have a, a certain peer view into your life so we kind of know the behind the scenes and what all it takes but I don't think people know the what it really takes to move at the pace that you do. Well I'll say this I turned 40 years old this week and I still cannot believe that I'm saying those words. Yeah. Like, 40, she don't look like, like it y'all. Me? <laughs> 40? Yeah. Like, like you know, when I was in my 20s, I thought 40 was so far away. Mm-hmm. And now that it's here and I feel good, I feel young, I feel energetic, I realized that, like, I was tripping a little bit in, like, what I did in my 20s. So in my 20s, it was just, like, no balance. You just get it done. Mm-hmm. Like, you go hard until you hit that wall and crash, and then you get up the next day and you go hard again. Mm-hmm. And... I think it was the right approach at the time because in my 20s I had no responsibility but myself and so I would work all day work all night um, and really put myself last uh, when I moved into my 30s though I got more intentional I said okay got it so I'm not exactly where I want to be in my career yet but I'm getting closer and it's time for me to focus on a little more balance so I started dating more I started getting in more serious relationships like okay you know let me see in my 30s who I want, who I might want to spend this life with, and so I got a little bit more balance in my thirties, a little bit. Um, I can honestly say now um, there is no such thing as balance. So there are moments like this week where I went to Jamaica with my girls and we enjoyed my birthday, but I spent the next day, which was my actual birthday, in Silicon Valley in meetings from eight a.m. to nine p.m. that night on my birthday, and so I feel like life is just one of those things where. You got to, in the moment, you know, figure out what your priority is. On my birthday, I knew I had to be at, in those meetings. And so I put myself aside to do what I needed to get done professionally. But then there are other times when I turn up and I have a good time and I turn my computer off and I just, you know, I get it in. And so I think it's just trusting the ebbs and flows of life as you go along. And so on top of all of that, there's still... Um husband and other extended family needs right that have to be mm-hmm. addressed so like how do you guys even make that happen and he has an insanely busy you know schedule and career and stuff too so how how did you guys negotiate the ebbs and flows of both of your careers at the same time I feel like there's no perfect person or partner but you've got to choose the best partner that you can mm-hmm. and so for me like one of the things outside of like being attracted to my husband like loving my husband like one of the things that made me realize like okay he's for me is because he never questioned the time I need to invest in my career ever mm-hmm. and there were other guys before that that did like why you got to work so much why do you have to be in LA why do you have to be at the BT awards like there were guys in the past that would like scrutinize even like the moves I was making and what attracted me to him was that he understood or gave me space Mm -hmm. to like figure out you know where I needed to like move to get my career goals uh, done and so that to me mattered and I think young women listening have to figure out what matters to them that might not be it Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we've been able to in our relationship find a rhythm where like we give each other the space we need to just do us 
And, you know, when my work is done and his work is done, we come together and we put work aside. But when it's go mode, like we give each other the space to go. And so for us, it's worked out so far. And we're about to celebrate our seventh year of marriage. So I guess it's working. Um, But healthy space and parameters, I think, um, matter for us. Okay, so now we have a new baby. (laughs) He's three months old. Like, what was that thought process when you decided, okay, I'm going to have another baby? Because your first son, DJ, he's five, five, five years old. You could have been one and done and just kept moving. Like, what was that thought process with everything you had going on? And how has it been, like, the, the glow up? Like, how quick were you able to snap back this time compared to the first? Well, first, I'll say I still haven't snapped back mentally and physically. Like, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> she looks great. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, it's like I'm giving myself, I'm trying. I shouldn't say I'm giving myself. I'm trying to give myself space to, like, recover without the pressure. Mm-hmm. But we all give ourselves pressure. But, you know, before it was like, I got to snap back in six weeks. I got to be ready. And now I want that. But, you know, if I, if I don't get there in a year, then I'm, I'm trying to be okay with that. Um, but I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough is like mentally what having a kid does to you. Like yes. your brain functionality is off. Yeah. I always, I feel like I'm always the Debbie Downer on the show because I feel like I talk about that so much, but only because it so it's hard. not talked about. No. And I think we rush so quickly to get back to work. And I feel like, at least for me, I felt like I'm, doing and I'm and I'm going but I, it's almost exactly. like you're having an out-of-body experience yes. and you're watching yourself going what the hell is going on mm-hmm. like at least for, at least for me I don't yeah. know if you've ever felt like I'm that but it's like it you're right doing the, the movements mm-hmm. but you're like this is not yep. going to work going forward so I mean that's it and I don't I think we don't talk about it enough I'm going through that literally right now as we speak like I'm going through that like foggy outer body experience just period of post-pregnancy where I'm like still moving through getting things done but not quite feeling like yourself so i'm going through that but i think i'll be honest like the the i thought i was one and done after my five-year-old dj i had a very hard pregnancy like vomited every day i worked on the obama campaign at the time so i mean i got no rest i was just going hard and i thought i was done and five years later um i was like you know what like i think I gotta, I have to think bigger picture. Like life is not just about, you know, what we're doing professionally, but it's about who and what we're leaving in this world when we leave, when we go. And so for me, I was like, do I really want one day to leave this earth and my son to be the only child that I gave birth to, right? Like, do I want him to be alone? So I started thinking about him and who he would navigate this life with if, you know, if I'm no longer here. So that was big for me. Um, the other thing was, I always wanted two kids. Like, that was always my thing. Like, I wanted, my I had a sister growing up, it was just the two of us. And I was like, you know, if I, you know, have the financial means, the physical ability to have a second one, and don't get me wrong, it's not like, like, we ain't living lavish, but, you know, like, just to be able to bring another child in where I feel like, okay, financially, I feel like I'm okay enough to do it again. And so, you know, I just... I just felt like it was the right time for me, and I'm glad I did, but I can't lie. Doing it at 39 at, at the time was really hard. A lot harder than it was at 34. What was the, what would be so hard? Like, what's 
tell me some of the challenges. Like I mean, just go. physically. Physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's different. It's just different. It's as good as I feel. I'm still 39. I was 39 years old. Mm-hmm. And so although it's not old, like you feel more tired. Oh, you yeah. feel more baby brain. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just don't bounce back and recover the way that you would, or, you know, yes. as a younger person. So, you know, all that was a, a big thing for me. Like I had a, had a tough pregnancy this time, but I'll say that the first one was harder. Yeah. Harder in terms of like the physical, mm-hmm. but you know. I will say this too. Um, coming like seeing as how we all kind of come from the entertainment industry, at least if we're not in in the industry, you're like adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the challenges that I know I had internally was I had painted this picture of. Um, what children take away from you and how they take away from your hustle. Like we talked about yeah, like this before. Janice, like she used to think they were dream, dream killers. killers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, but especially so right mm-hmm. in the entertainment industry, because I've, I've talked about this before, but when I went to HR at the company that I was at, when I was pregnant with my son, the HR person told me that he had to double back with me and, and go check on the policy. Because he did sense. not know what the maternity leave policy was because nobody was having kids. At the yeah. time, the the only person that had a kid was our executive vice president. And, you know, not for nothing, her life looked a lot different mm-hmm. than mine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And what, how she was set up and what the policy would have been for her versus, you know, just a regular employee. So it was like mm-hmm. the men in the company had kids, but the wives, mm-hmm. you know, did not work in that environment. So do you feel like there is... A, a difference in 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 how people approach motherhood when you come from that environment and the the fear and the trepidation that you have and you're like is this what I want to do yes I mean would that, I have to give up there's <laughs> already a double double standard for men with children and women with children like we know that across industries mm-hmm. but then when you think about the entertainment industry like you know if we're being honest most companies unless they're like mega companies most don't have a traditional maternity leave policy if they have one at all. And so I think, you know, those are the sacrifices and even risks that we take when we decide to bear children. And, and the reality is that, you know, I think that we need to get, especially on the entertainment side, much more into positions of entrepreneurship. Because when you're working for someone, you know, no matter how good it is, you know, when you share the news that you are pregnant, things change. And it's not always said on record, it's not always said explicitly, but they move differently. And you get invited to less meetings, you get invited to less business trips, you no longer have a seat at the table. And they smile and act like they're including you, but you know and you realize that they're not. And they see, honestly, pregnancy in a lot of cases as a handicap. And I'll be honest, it wasn't just for men. In my experience, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. unfortunately. For sure. And with, that's the other thing that you don't you kind of feel like you're breaking a little bit of a sisterhood code by talking about that. But mm-hmm. you get it from other women, too. Yes. It's not just the men that Absolutely. you come across. Um, so, and and we've traded war stories mm-hmm. and, and talked about what that looks like. And actually, Valicia was one of the first people I texted when I found out that I was pregnant. Um, and admitted that I was like, I'm actually like not happy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what this is going to look like because... There weren't many examples at the time that I could just clearly recall yeah. of women who've done it without a year or two later, they just mm-hmm. bow out because it gets to be too much. Yeah. So talk to us about what 
that balance and that partnership looks like between you um, and your and your husband, like the the when one when one drops the ball, how is you know how is he supporting you, or like how do you guys work that out? Because there's no blueprint for this, like no, at just all. Figuring it out, we all are literally just winging it. So it's <laughs> crazy because so for those who don't know, my husband has spent the last 14 years playing in the NBA, and we've been married for almost seven of those years. And, you know, as sexy as that sounds on the surface, the reality is that, you know, in the last five years, we've lived in eight cities. Wow. And so if you put that into perspective, that means school changes, pediatrician changes, pediatric dentist changes, speech therapy changes, because my son needs a speech therapist. Like, all of those pieces of the puzzle constantly had to change, and my son... Literally, if you ask him now where he's from, you know, he can't really tell you. He'll say New Jersey because it's the most recent state. Wow. But he's lived in so many places. And so um, the way we've done it in the past is, I'll give you an example. So when I got the offer at Google two years ago, he was playing his dream job for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so we both at that time were just like maxed out. He was living in Cleveland. I was relocating us from LA to New Jersey. So we're talking Cleveland and New Jersey with a move in the middle. And we were doing it separately. As a married couple, doing it separately. And, you know, I had to rely on a lot of family to help. Um, I had to hire professional help to help, which a lot of people sleep on. Like they make it seem like nannies are a luxury. They are a necessity sometimes when you're a woman. Making moves and yeah. like you know having professional support sometimes it's even better. We can talk about that too than family support because you need someone that can follow your guidelines and be on time and not talk back to you about the way you want your child raised and the way you want it done. And so you know I had to pull together a village really quickly that included a nanny, that included family support, and it included me like setting like real expectations with my employer. That you know what, I can get in early, but I'm gonna have to leave at this time. And you're gonna get everything you need out of me during these hours, but after a certain time, I'm gonna have to shut down. And I'm fortunate to work for a company that could do that. Like, it's not missed on me that a lot of companies don't give you that option. Mm -hmm. um, but it's being able to, within your own environment, like set healthy parameters so folks know. You know, when I'm on, I'm on, but when I'm off, I'm off because at the end of the day, you can't get those hours back. You can't reclaim that time with your kids that you missed. No, you can't. How, how is that conversation? Because I think women still struggle, and, and I'm going to take, I'm going to make it personal. Mm -hmm. I still struggle mm -hmm. with being able to say, here's, here's what I need, and here's how I need to sort of make my schedule to build it around my family. We're afraid of someone telling us no or saying that that's not possible or maybe we're being too difficult so we could be replaced like how did you approach that conversation well first it's taking a step back and observing the way our male counterparts do it they don't ask by the way <laughs> they don't ask for permission they don't approach it apprehensively or from a place of fear they straight up they treat it like a partnership with their employer mm -hmm. instead of an employee employer employee relationship they treat it like a partnership and they say okay you know here's what you're offering me here's what i'm offering to you and here's where i am in this negotiation right and so first it's like being able to 
create a new posture in the way we engage the people who employ us. So that's one, um, and that's a hard thing to do. Like as women, mm -hmm. like statistically, data shows we don't negotiate when it's, when we're given you know offers, and that includes salary, that includes bonus, that includes you know location, title, all those things. We normally just take what we're offered, um, and the same thing applies here. And so I think it's one, you know, having a different posture and how we engage and interact with our employers. Um, and then two, I think it's trying to remove the fear. And if it's hard for you, then just fake it. Uh, you fake it in that conversation. You don't have to have an attitude. You don't have to be confrontational. It's just making it plain. Like, hey, you know, I really enjoy working here. You know, if there are areas that I can bring more to the table, you know, I would love to have that conversation with you. However, you know, I would also like to share with you a few things that I need to be my to be most productive here. And if that's a core thing for you that can help you be more productive because by the way when an employer gives me that type of freedom and flexibility it makes me go 10 times harder for that company anyway mm -hmm. so you're going to get more productivity from me when i'm able to have the family time that i need i mean yeah that but it ain't easy yeah it's hard i feel like these are conversations that you have to kind of have with all parties in your life though because mm -hmm. I'm sure yep. there was a conversation For that sure. had to be had with your significant other mm -hmm. with family I felt myself like having to have the talk like at least 10 times mm -hmm. in this process with different people because sometimes you have to tell people how you need to be supported mm -hmm. in sure. general and that's a hard conversation Very. to have because yeah. the natural response I find for a lot of people is if I tell you how I need to be supported, the assumption is you you take it as like I feel like you're not doing anything mm -hmm. at all. So I like I know that we had to have some conversations. Was there ever a time where you know Dante was like, "Look, I I just came from playing in the 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 finals, and now you asking me to take the trash." I need out. a meal, Felicia. Like, <laughs> you're cooking. I need a meal. <laughs> Well, that conversation I had the other day, Shakari, he was like, so we've gone about 12 days with takeout. And I'm like, because I'm a cooker. I like enjoy cooking. Um, and I was just like, babe, I can't do it all. And I'm very upfront. Like, I am not superwoman. That's not what you signed up for. In case I misled you and made you think I was superwoman, newsflash, I'm not. And, you know, it's constantly, like, resetting expectations, too, because things change. You can start off cooking every night. And then you add a child to the equation or two. You add a right. real whole job to the equation. And guess what? I might go from cooking seven days a week to one if, if you're, you're lucky. lucky. Okay? Yeah. If you're lucky. <laughs> and so, you know, it's also being able to, like, be transparent and be honest. Like, my whole thing in business, and I'm now rolling that over to my personal life, is under-promise, over-delivering. I'm not going to tell you seven nights a week when I know it might be one. I'm going to tell you none. So when you get one, you're like, you're yes. so happy. You're like, I know wife is the best wife in the world. But, you know, I think it's it's managing expectations. But does Dante, did he have that, like, you know, because he, well, he's from Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. But he does he have that, he went to school in North Carolina. Does he have that Southern, well, I want somebody to cook. I want somebody to clean and all of that. No, which was another thing that attracted me to him. <laughs> so mm -hmm. he wasn't, like he, everybody has a different motivation. Mm -hmm. And Dante's motivation, and I think one of the reasons he was attracted to me was because I care about business and generating wealth. Like that's important to me. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to him. Even he's helped me like 
refocus my focus mm -hmm. because whenever I start like getting a little bit too, you know, kind of off track when it comes to like getting my business done, he's like, okay, babe, like get back in the game. And so, mm -hmm. so I think every relationship is different. Like that was his motivation. Um, but you know, I've dated guys in the past and I have friends whose husbands care about the meal every night. Mm -hmm. And like if that, like my best friend, if she cooks like Thanksgiving five nights a week for her family. No way. And so you know she's got to within her family structure figure out like how to manage those expectations because that's five hours a night in the kitchen. I don't have five hours a night in the kitchen. Not at all. Yeah. Especially when you get day. home like six, seven o'clock, maybe eight. Right. Like, so I think go to bed. so in Dante's case, like he has been good with that, but then there are other things where you know he's like on me because he knows like that was our shared value. Like, okay, we about to get this money, we're about to get into this business. Like, you know, we want to create you know generational wealth, something we didn't have. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, because that's a value, that's when he rides me when he feels like I'm not really on my game. So what does, with everything you have going on, what does your self-care look like? What do you do for just for you? I really suck at self-care. I do. Um, something I've said probably for the last two years I was going to do more of, and I don't do it enough. Um, I'll give you an example. I just shared that I went to Jamaica with my girlfriends, so that was nice. Went straight to Silicon Valley from there, so that flight took forever. The all-day meetings on my birthday. Landed back here in New York, meetings nonstop and relocating to California in the process. So that gives you an example of how, like right now as we speak, I have a moving, a shipping, a moving company truck in front of my house to load when I get home tonight. Like those are the realities that you don't see, that the mm -hmm. gram does not show, but there is a moving pod in my driveway right now waiting for me to come pack these boxes and, and load them up. And so I think that there's this like misnomer that, you know, the, the further you go, the easier it gets. And that is such a lie. I think, you know, we've got to be more upfront with young women that actually mm -hmm. this, this gets harder. And so you've got to like really work on your muscle around, you know, how you navigate, you know, through life as you, you know, achieve these goals. One thing I would add, though, too, is is people could look at your your profile. They look at you, and even in person, and be like, "Oh, her self care regimen must be on point because her eyebrows are done, her nails are done." And the 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 idea that that is the the benchmark or the yeah. the, the marker for self care, I think also we have to change that conversation because for a lot of us, that's just a part that that's a part of the job. That's a part yeah. of being who we are and showing up how we have to show up to get stuff done. That doesn't mean that that is um, taking care of the part of us that needs the most nurturing, which is what self-care really should be about. And I'll say, though, on the physical side, I kind of cheat the system with, like, my, my physical self-care and maintenance because I just taught myself how to do all those things. So, like, there's so many times, like, I'll even get booked for a speaking engagement or an event, and they'll offer me glam, and I will turn it down, even if they're paying for it. One, I like the way I do my glam better than anyone else. And mm. two, in those hotel rooms, when I need that hour, I'd rather spend that hour by myself than with two people standing over me that I'm going to have to talk to. And, like, you know, it, it just, okay. like, I'm a people person, but sometimes you just need, like, that quiet moment. 
And I like actually enjoy doing, like I do my own eyebrows, I do my own lashes, I do my own hair, wash and blow dry, <laughs> I do. I do my own makeup. I literally put in my own weave. Literally with two mirrors. I was so wait. I was so waiting for you to say that. <laughs> I knew that, but I was like, I don't know. If she wanna. I talk literally about put that in part. my own hair extensions, and all my friends are like, "Girl, don't you make enough money now to go to the salon and get it done?" But I actually enjoy doing it, and it looks really good when I do it. And so I literally sit in the mirror like once every six weeks with two mirrors in the bathroom and put in my own hair, and it's a part of what I like to do. And so. When it looks like I, I, I just like stay fly, it's just like I taught myself how to do those things so I can look how I want to look mm-hmm. on the budget I need to do it on. <laughs> and, and the time. Uh, and the time. Yeah. And the time. Right. Look like I need to treat myself to some lessons because I don't know how to do none of that <laughs> stuff. No, you know, I, was telling, I was just telling Denise I'm about to learn how to do my makeup. I just put stuff on and it just kind of works out, but it's not. For me too. I don't have good. an actual technique. Yeah, but but there's too many things out on the internet right now for us not to know how. Yeah, no, that's that's real talk. Just knowing you gotta know your 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 colors, know your tone, know what Mm -hmm. works. I think that's a part of you know automating the parts of your life that you can automate, whatever that looks like for you, so that you can spend the the time doing the thing. And that's what I suck at. The one thing that I have put my foot down about is hiring the cleaning lady mm-hmm. because I can preach until I'm blue in the face. Dwayne is who he yeah, is and I love him to death. <laughs> but he is, um, and I have a very large apartment by New York standards, mm-hmm. but it still feels like I'm living on top of yeah. myself because there's just stuff everywhere. Yeah, same in our house. Like uh, my mom said it best because um, she saw me over the holidays like, Constantly cleaning. I mean, I would clean the house one morning, top to bottom, and by 3 p.m., it's a wreck. I mean, every room, just a wreck. And same thing with Dante. I love my husband, but I know his limitations. It's going to be shoes in the middle of the floor. It's going to be dishes in the sink. It's going to be everything. Mm -hmm. You can imagine. Like, if I didn't touch my house for five days, it's going to be 50 pairs of sneakers in the middle of the living room floor. And so, so it's not just no, us. Oh, no. <laughs> you would look in our house oh, and no. think that we just get it popping exactly. every night. Because Dwayne is the type that would just get undressed in no matter what yeah. room that he's in. Yeah. So it looks like we're tearing each other's clothes <laughs> yeah. off yeah. in the in, in yeah. the kitchen when I'm like, nope, we was really just in there making dinner, but he got hot and decided it's, to take his shirt off. And the floor like, looked like a perfect place. It's like sneakers that have been worn on New York City streets on top of my kitchen table. All that. So sometimes you just have to hire the help that you need because if not, to my mom's point, you're never going to feel like you're caught up. Yeah. And that's what I think, think I'm at right yes. now. I'm never feeling caught up. Yep. Yes. So, Big. Yeah. yeah. You feel like you're... And, and also, you take... Like, I'm a... I'm a efficiency person, so I feel like I take stock at the end of the, the day. I spend a lot of hours, but I can't really account mm-hmm. for where they went. But I yeah, know that I'm too. not the type to just sit... <laughs> like, idle and do nothing I know that I'm yeah I'm like I'm exerting energy and I'm doing things but I don't know what they ladder up to so I my personal goal for this year is to figure out how to redesign my life because I'm like you know commuting an hour and a half to two hours every single day doesn't seem to to bode well for the, the type of life that I'm trying to build I need to figure something out because those things are are not going to change unless you actively 
change them. And so that's that's where I'm at because I'm like I'm I'm too young to be as tired as I am. I think I've heard Valicia mention the word intentional movement, and I think that needs to be like the goal for 2018. Like everything with intention. Yeah. And it's like this is gonna sound so silly, but it's the first thing is the intentional moves, right? And then the other thing is, and I promise it's gonna sound silly, especially for New Yorkers though, walk slow. It sounds so simple. It sounds so simple, but like breathe slower and walk slower mm-hmm. in between your intentional moves. And it allows you to be a little bit more present. Because when you're just moving, 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 you don't even have a moment to, one, breathe, and then two, like, recalibrate in between your moves. Mm -hmm. So when you just shift in from one thing to the next thing, and then you look at the end of the day, that what did it ladder up to? You've got to take those steps in in the middle of your day Mm -hmm. to figure out, are you in the right space or do you need to course correct Mm -hmm. your day? And so for me, that's helped. I've started doing that, like, the last year. I started looking at people who whose career I try to or, or life I try to model myself after, yourself included. And I think that's really been the, the difference is that they've removed themselves from people, jobs, yes. habits, things that just were not serving them mm-hmm. um, or just weren't exploiting what they're naturally good at. I'm the type that I want to spend um, five hours fixing the thing that's wrong and mm-hmm. I feel like that's the mm-hmm. wrong approach mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what we learn literally from school you know in school they don't give you extra homework for the things that you're good at they give you extra homework for the things that you need improvement mm-hmm. on and I think we that's take so that true. into adulthood and that realization I literally just came to that realization like a couple of weeks ago and it's something that I'm trying to consciously figure <laughs> out how to change because it's so much a part of my DNA and I'm like you just need to identify the three things that you may be really good at and find the career the the job the thing the, the hustle whatever that is that's going to have you do these things it doesn't mean that you don't have to spend your time doing other things that you don't love to do but it's just focusing your energy that's so that's so key and that's how people are, are, are winning something that people in tech say that I've been like just a student of for the last two years is really a couple of things. One is you want to fail fast. So one, the goal is to fail. Because if you're not failing, you haven't pushed yourself far enough. So that's one. You want to push until you fail. So you'll know actually what your capacity really is. We don't know when we operate within our safe zone, spend six hours on one thing. But if you push and go as far off the ledge as you can, if you fall off, at least you know where the ledge is. Okay. Right? So that's one. But then the second thing is failing fast. You don't want to spend six years figuring out where the ledge is. Mm-hmm. You need to spend, you need to know where that ledge is in six months or move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If that wasn't a gospel for me, because so often I've spent and invested so many years in the wrong person, the wrong relationship, the wrong project, the wrong company. And then I look up wrong friends, Mm -hmm. hello, Mm -hmm. that you haven't spent enough time on the things that really are where your edge is, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's like failing fast. And so you'll know where you need to really go deep and invest your time. So that to me was big. And then the final thing is that failure is a gift, which goes back to the ledge, right? Like you always want feedback, even when it hurts. When your employer, when your boss, when your manager is telling you you did something wrong, it hurts because as black women especially, 
we want to be the superstars. Like we want to be the productive ones because that's by virtue who we are, right? In these environments, we come in and kill it every time. So it's tough when you're working so hard and so smart to receive critical feedback. But I've started, and this was a late lesson for me, but I've started like processing failure and feedback is a gift because then I know how to even sharpen my game even more. And so that's something I've started shifting like the last year or two. I think like that's a that's a topic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Those are some gems. Yeah, you did. I was gonna ask you what was something you some words of inspiration. I think you've just given us like you gotta make a ledge. So I know you have to um, keep it pushing because you got so much to do today. But I'm if pushing, could, I'm, 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 <laughs> excuse me, a truck waiting outside of your house, <laughs> yes, like, right now. moving truck. Um, but one of the things that you just recently shared um, on social media is you were talking about expectations versus reality mm. and the timelines that we put um, on ourselves, especially as women. And that spoke to me so much because I've literally missed every single, every single one, every single thing. Like, oh, I thought I was going to have this by this age. And the way you you phrased it and you spoke about it, it wasn't necessarily letting yourself off the hook if you know you really haven't done the work to get there, mm-hmm. but also just understanding that you have to be fluid and yeah. none of that stuff really matters at the end of the day. Like my mom used to say, like, it doesn't matter how long it takes for you to graduate. Like, they don't put your year on your diploma. You still got it, mm-hmm. you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So if you could say, like, already tied this up in such a, a nice little neat bow, but if there, there's that one lesson when it comes to those expectations in that timeline, like what would it be? I think the main thing is, I think it's two things. One, that you finish. Finish what you start. And that's a big one. I think so often, like the failing fast piece is really just step one. But once you figure out your ledge, you gotta plan and finish what you started. And I don't think like the circle of completion, we do enough, right? So like making sure that everything that you do is intentional and that you're finishing what you start. So that's one. So whether you set out to get that degree at 22 and it takes you to 35 or 45 or 65 to get it, the main thing is that you get it, like your grandmother said. Mm-hmm. Um, or say your grandmother, right? My mom. Your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second thing is, and this is hard, but making sure that within that plan and within finishing what you started, that you don't take your foot off the gas. And that's where we cannot give ourselves excuses. Like, mm-hmm. too often we give our, oh, I just had a baby. Oh, my mom's sick. Oh, you know, my money is funny right now. And all, like, we all got those issues, mm-hmm. every single one of us. And so, if it matters enough to you, like, keep your foot on the gas because when you do, I can guarantee you that that timeline is going to actually move up a little bit faster than it would have had you not. Mm-hmm. Now, it might not come when you want it, but I can guarantee you it's going to come on God's plan if you keep your foot on the gas. And so you just got to be relentless and not let up um, because I think that the breakthrough happens when we're at our darkest and lowest point, which is usually when we give up. Yep. So... Well, I mean, I don't think it gets any more um, poignant than that. So (laughs) thank you so much, Felicia. Listeners, we would love to hear your feedback, your questions. 
Um, hit us up on at Hey Ma Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can follow Valicia and her crazy journey at, at Valicia, right? At Valicia. And I want to close by saying I am so proud of the Hey Ma Podcast oh, and the ladies. Thank you. And I have been listening and I wanted to be a part of this for so long because these are the stories we don't have enough, right? Of like the real, the realities that go on behind the scenes as moms. And so I'm just proud of you ladies for uh, doing this. And I want you to know it's not in vain because we're listening and we're following and we're learning from it. So thank you. Aww, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>